You're listening to episode 6 of season 13 of the GNU World Order for 32-2019. In this episode, we've got some listener feedback about calendaring systems. We've got feedback about ZFS. We got a coffee break with a special coffee that I've, I've, I don't believe I've discussed on this series yet. So this will be exciting for, for me. And finally, the Grav flat CMS blogging platform. Big old review with lots of technical detail. So let's get started. First and foremost, let's look at some listener feedback. I got a really, really long email here from DeepGeek, and I feel like I'm missing one from him, um, but if I if I dig that up, then I'll, I'll include that next time. But this one's a, a good one. This one's plenty to cover in one episode. So first of all, he says, show dating. Uh, congratulations on reinventing Julian dating for, for GNU World Order. Haven't used this since my old COBOL progr- programming days. That is fascinating. But when Talk Geek to Me was a tech show, uh, Deep Geek used to have a show called Talk Geek to Me, uh, which turned in, started out as a technical show, actually, and then it kind of became this sort of independent journalism uh, show about news from abroad. So anyway, he numbered his shows then in hexadecimal, which was quite, which I, I do I do remember admiring uh, a lot. And then he gives me a out a date command, uh, date plus percent capital Y dot percent lowercase j. I feel like I I mentioned that on the show, so he might have missed me mentioning it, or maybe he's a show behind or something. But I'm pretty sure I mentioned that date and then the plus sign and then percent. The way that I do it is I I do percent lowercase j dot percent uppercase y and that gives me 032 for instance for the feb february 2nd what we used to call february 2nd back in the the dark ages 032.2019 so i i i i mean i i knew that my my system well i assumed my system was not unique i mean i'm just counting the days within a rotation around the sun so it it doesn't seem like like, I would have been the first person to think of that. I did not know that it was called a Julian uh, calendar or a Julian date. So I looked up Julian dates, and I don't honestly see... I don't see that this is the same system. I, I'm, I want to know the system that I am using. I, am, I would be curious about that, but I don't see that the Julian date translates. And I'm not saying Deep Geek is incorrect. I'm just not seeing it. So according to the... Uh, aa.usno.navy.mil slash data slash docs slash juliandate.php, which was just the first thing that came up in DuckDuckGo when I did a search. It said that Julian dates, abbreviated JD, are simply a continuous count of days and fractions since noon universal time on Jan 1, 4713 BC on the Julian calendar meaning almost 2.5 million days have transpired since that date, at the time of this writing, obviously. Julian dates are widely used as time variables within astronomical software. Typically, a 64-bit floating point, that's double precision variable, uh, can represent an epoch expressed as a Julian date to about one millisecond precision. Note that the time scale that is the basis for Julian dates is universal time, and that zero hours UT, that's universal time, corresponds to a Julian date fraction of 0.5. So I'm, I, I don't see how Julian 
the Julian calendar translates because I don't see anything. In fact, on this same site, there is a compute calendar date, or c compute Julian date, rather. And so I put in, if I put in 2019 February 03 AD at zero hour, well, let's do zero hours and one minute, compute Julian date, it gives me back a value of 24, no, 2,458. 1517.500694 so that doesn't sound like I mean, cuz I'm not I'm not doing the Julian date non-stop I'm going to reset my calendar next year so in other words in 2020 the first show of GNU World Order will be uh you know 02 2020 or 03 or what whatever date it is I I haven't looked but that's that's my that's my take on on the idea although maybe db is saying that if i take my if i take that year the 2019 or the 2020 or whatever year it is and then do the maths on that then i'll get a julian date which that sounds fair to me but it's not yeah i'm, I'm not intentionally doing the julian calendar i'm just doing whatever it's called when you count within the solar uh road um the rotation around the, the orbit around the, the solar body that we call the sun. Okay, so that's 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 that topic covered, I think. Next up, he says, uh, ZFS, you're well on your way, but I was wondering, did you create the Z pool and write your art files directly to that, or did you create a data set also? In ZFS, the Z, Z pool, the Z pool, command deals with making physical devices into a virtual device but that management but then but then management of that virtual device is broken into data sets which can be created have properties changed and customized be snapshotted and destroyed with the command zfs thus it is possible to have a home directory on one data set on the computer and have a usr/share/local be another data set uh, which is just a random example off the top of his head. Uh, that that all went over. That's off the top of his head. Well, it went over my head. So I need to do more reading on ZFS before I understand my options there. And yeah, the the previous episode or or so when I created the ZFS thumb drive, which is still sitting right here, um, it, that was a a rather that was a it was me sitting down, reading up on how to do it just from the man page, and I think from an example online, if I recall correctly, and 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 that's it. That's that's as much as I, that's as far as I got with that experiment. Uh, as for now, I mean, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna continue to look in into it for sure. And then he says, co-op uh, web hosting sounds exciting. I really want to know what their software stack is. Is it cPanel and Apache, or is it one or several of the open source server control softwares? Um, I would love to say that it was one of the several open source control panel softwares, but it is cPanel. It is based around cPanel. I, I I think I've used cPanel once or twice before on varying accounts. Um, I I try to avoid it if I can, and I don't say that with malice necessarily. Um, I've never had like what I would call a, a horrible experience with cPanel. It's just, it, it's like learning any GUI, right? Like you, you can either learn where they hide options and and where what their logic is like, 
or you can just learn the server stuff and do it directly on the server. And that flexibility is one of the things that I quite like about webhosting.coop is I'm not bound to to doing all the things in the GUI. And then DeepGeek also has some further thoughts on just the idea of customer service. And this is kind of an interesting long paragraph, but I'm going to read it anyway, just because I, I don't think I can summarize it and capture everything. And, and he's a pretty interesting guy. So uh, your analysis of customer service is spot on. And I've been thinking of, uh, uh, along similar lines. But I now believe also that the common situation with web hosts is systemic to the capacity of modern server hardware. Since a modern, younger than three years old, Max, uh, handles, I, I think I think he's probably saying server, since a modern server, handles thousands of connections and dozens of thousands accounts. Yes, Virginia, most web hosts are resellers out there. One server box, when loaded to capacity, results in more clients served than a small business can imagine. Imagine also that a company like Amazon Web Services, AWS, will need to configure dozens of thousands of servers when they open another 8 megawatt data center. And you can see that trying to configure a web server with a unique name and unique configuration is impossible. It is very obvious that servers themselves are being configured using software tools that roll out hundreds or thousands of identically configured web servers at a time. Uh, see fayproject.org or fai-project.org. Case in point, recently a partner of mine and a server and a consultant who has a little web hosting for his clientele when needed both complained about the service at this one upstream we both used. My belief is that it doesn't matter. If your upstream is successful, they must subcontract customer service out to another company. And if they stay mom and pop, then it's going to remain a matter of no customer service on Christmas and New Year's. On the hardware level, a vanilla lamp stack with cPanel is a vanilla lamp stack with cPanel. So I think the, those are that, that, those are a lot of thoughts and a lot a lot of um, different thoughts. I think that the this idea of the the fully automatic installation, which is what the FAI-project.org uh, sort of sent, bases itself around. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's kind of the it is the way it is it is modern system administration really um fay project or fi i don't know how you're supposed to say it fully automatic uh, installation offers an iso which you can boot into and 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 then have a bunch of like deep geek says a bunch of identical servers created essentially from from one point of origin uh similar similar ideas are are all over the place, like Ansible nowadays. Ansible's very purpose in life is to is to l look at at well. I mean, you can do a kickstart file and install CentOS or or Fedora or whatever Red Hat, and then run Ansible, and they get all configured the same way, and Ansible can maintain them. I mean, it's just like these these pools and pools of servers, and then you get into questions of things like quote unquote, and these are big air quotes here serverless um or serverless cloud or, or what do they say like just i don't know the word serverless which, which of course is nonsense right it's a buzzword but this idea that that you as uh, that that any application developer or, or or maintainer of any presence on the web really should never or shouldn't really think of 
a server you know like the 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 idea of a server itself is sort of fading and and i know a lot of people don't like that and to a degree i don't like it but on another in another way it is good because i think the idea is that there's this big cluster you know the network is the computer coming to fruition there's this cluster of computing power and your thing, whether it's a website or a web app or a, a, a w sort of a network-aware application, you know, whatever it is, it exists out there in this this cloud. Like that's like the very idea of well, you don't have to really pin it down. You can just say, well, it exists out there. Whether it's a bunch of VMs that that run, and then when one falls over, the other one picks up where that left off so that you, there's no interruption in service or whether it's a container inside of a, a, some kind of host OS, whether that host OS itself is a VM or an actual server, but redundant, of course, you know, you've got all these, these, the, all, all this redundancy and all of these things that, that kind of from at least many people's perspectives make the idea of like, okay, well, which server is it where does my data you know which which physical metal box has my data on it well it, it it really doesn't matter because your data is just being jockeyed from here to there as uh, bandwidth and storage demands necessitate are you relying on that that infrastructure staying operational and alive and secure and and it, do you feel comfortable relying on that that's a different question that's a question you know i mean your own backups obviously need to be redundant so if you don't trust this big entity of network computational power then yeah you should have local backups but in terms of 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 this this model um it's kind of here it is upon us and and that's the that's the very reason that you see for things like system d and and all these other kind of new models of of dealing with with really how how data is handled but also how how all of it is um how all of, w what it all sits on like i say i'm not necessarily saying that this is good I'm not necessarily saying it's bad i i am simply saying that um that it is a it is a reality of modern it and it would be disingenuous, I think, to ignore it, because if you're going to go get a job in IT, that's that's the kind of maintenance that you're at least, like if we were rolling a die, it would be at least a 50% chance that when you go into IT, you're going to you're going to be dumped into a, a, a into a big data center that says, hey, we need you to spin up a thousand quote unquote servers. And they need to be all configured exactly the same. No DNS collisions, no namespace collisions. You know, all of these things. Like th these things have to happen. We want them. If one falls over, we want another one to pick up right away. And and that's that's part of IT now. That's that's that is part of entry level IT. Whereas I feel like a long time ago, entry level IT was sort of like, can you set up a server? Can you configure a mail server? Can you get a website going? That sort of thing. It's it's a lot bigger uh and and there's more of it it's it's a bigger room that you're sitting in and there's there's a lot more things that we 
that we point at and say that's that's the server running this software or or that's the cluster running you know managing this software and all of the failover and fail safe and redundancy and stuff like that okay so that's that's what i took away from deep geeks feedback thanks for the feedback deep geek it's very interesting always interesting to hear thoughts about this sort of thing time for a coffee break let's go get coffee you go get a cup for yourself i'm going to go get a second cup for myself we'll meet back here for the rest of the show coffee i said i was drinking sort of a special coffee and and i i am it's not really the brand that is special or the roast or whatever well it is the roast um so this is i think it's actually papa papagayo papa papa papagano um papagayo i think something like that it, it's a papagayo or or I, i'm probably saying the word wrong i can see it in my head and I, i'm not i'm just not say, saying it correctly but it's it's parrot in a couple of different languages, from what I can tell. And uh, certainly there's a parrot on the coffee bag anyway, but there's also an animation software called Papagayo, and it is, uh, it's pretty good. It's, um, it's a lip-syncing software, actually. It's not directly, like, you don't animate with it, but you look at your animations, and you, you take your script. No, you don't look at your animation. Sorry, you take your script, you type it in, and then you throw it through, you, you process it through Papagayo, and then it tells... It, it it places it tells you what the mouth position of your animated figure should be, so it it it, it analyzes the the phonemes of your of your script and figures out, okay at this at, at this point in time their mouth should be you know sort of open and sort of like an O sound an O shape, and then this here it should be closed and tight lipped but but and here it should be puckered like an S or whatever, so that's Papagayo. Anyway, it's got nothing to do with coffee. Um, but it does have something to do with parrots. So this has a parrot on it. But the the reason all of this is significant is because the uh, I got a briki for, uh, for over the winter holidays from my partner, and along with the briki, I got this bag of coffee. And now if you've never, it's, so this is what they call either. It depends on who you're talking to, I guess. But people call this Greek coffee. I knew someone from Eastern Europe who called it. Turkish coffee or Russian coffee, so it really just kind of depends on who you're talking to. But it is a if you've never seen it, it is a you know you, the bag of coffee, right? You open it up and it'll surprise you if you've never seen it because it's it's powder, it's ground to a powder, like a fine powder. I'm not talking really even about like you might think, oh, it just sounds like an espresso grind or something. No, this is uh, it, it. It is if if you didn't know it was coffee. You might mistake it for for uh, cocoa powder almost. I mean, it's it's almost that. It's not quite that fine, but it is almost that fine. And you a, a briki is this small little coffee pot. So it's a little saucepan, and it's about I don't know about eight eight ounces, maybe ten ounces. You put a teaspoon of this powder thin coffee into the briki. You put your water into it, and then you put it on the stove. I have to take my my oven, my 
the, the oven in this apartment has these big sort of metal grates over the over the heating element and the coffee pot is so small that it will not fit on the grating because there's you know how ovens have like or stoves have breaks in the grating sometimes so i actually have to take the grating off and i just put the coffee pot straight onto the heating element turn it on fairly low it's a gas oven or a gas stove and so i uh i turn that on fairly low because otherwise the flame again just actually goes too far out you know and so i i kind of put it on somewhat low so that it's actually hitting the briki directly and wait about i don't know five seven minutes until it just starts to boil and you'll know because there uh the top of your coffee starts to froth a little bit it it, it actually forms like a a foam and you take it off of the burner pour it into your mug and that's it you drink it and and so notice now that there's no now the first time i had it well i should say so notice there's no coffee filter you simply put the coffee into the the briki you put the water in you boil it you pour it and then you start drinking it now when you are finished the cup of coffee there is a sludge at the bottom of of coffee grounds you don't really want to, or coffee powder you you don't want to drink that it's not good it's it tastes horrible but the coffee itself is amazing and quite unique tasting it is it i would probably say that if you're going for a you know if you're a typical coffee drinker and you know coffee that you get at stores and cafes and stuff um, this would probably be an acquired flavor because it's not going to taste really what you're used to it, it's it's quite unique now the first time i had it it was very sugary as well and i don't know i'd be interested in the, in hearing if i have any greek or turkish or russian listeners uh whether it is considered like more traditional to have it very sweet or or what i've i've just taken to having it just you know black and and just straight but the the first time i had it it did have a bunch of sugar in it so it was like a very sort of sweet coffee but i don't i can't drink uh sweet things like all day whereas i can drink coffee all day so that's what i'm having right now and that's what i've been having for the past couple of weeks since uh, the end of the past uh, this end of the past year it's been quite quite nice it's been um a real pleasure to finally be able to make this the the proper way i've i i've been making it before uh in just a normal saucepan and it it just doesn't have quite the same the same effect making it in a, a briki is is sort of the way to go so and and they're not super expensive or anything i mean you can get a briki at your local greek supply store you know like if you've got a greek market or something you, they're probably there there you can get them cheap it's just it's the size and form factor really that you're looking for so if you've never tried that you should try it because it is very good and another thing you should try if you've never tried and you're looking for a flat file cms system is a little project called grav you can find more out about grav at gitgrav g-e-t-g-r-a-v dot org and it's a fantastic little software that i've been using recently quite a lot so the first time i tried grav must have been four years ago when i was thinking about setting up a little personal uh sort of tech blog and i, I think i might have even be, been evaluating it for use with gnu world order i don't exactly remember but that was around that time that i was sort of transitioning everything from gnu world order from just sort of manually entered stuff to completely automated posting 
And the advantage of gitgrav is that it is a flat file CMS. So a CMS, if you don't know, is a content management system. It's a fancy word for a framework for your blog or, or for a website in general, really. But, but traditionally, the idea is that it's a blog. It's getting posts on some kind of regular basis. It doesn't have to be a daily by any means, but it's, you know, sometimes. So uh, so the, the, the famous one would be, of course, WordPress. WordPress is a, a very famous CMS, and honestly, I, I, I kind of feel like that's the one... I could be totally wrong about this. I kind of feel like that's the one where the word, the, the concept CMS really got sort of... Um, formalized that, that yes there are these things now and and they they manage your blog and what are we going to call them oh i know content management services cms so joomla would be another one i guess drupal would probably qualify although i think of drupal as being big you know bigger than a cms but i guess that's that's probably being silly so yeah there there are these cms's out there and as you can probably tell by the ones that i've listed uh they 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 involve a, a database. So you, you create a database on a server somewhere, and then you you create a user in that database, and then you install this thing on top of, or, or on the same server, well, not doesn't even have to be on the same server, on a server, and you configure that CMS, like WordPress, to log into that database and to put data there. So when you do a blog post, and you click post or save draft or whatever, WordPress is taking everything that you've entered and throwing into this database over wherever that database lives. Sometimes it's on the same server, sometimes it's on a separate server, it just kind of depends on how your your setup is, has been configured. Maybe you've configured it yourself, maybe your web host is doing it for you, who knows? And that's fine, I mean that works fine and it's there's nothing wrong with it, um, it it's a thing that you can do, right? So I didn't want to do that though. Um, it's, it's, it's not that I have a problem with that model, it's just that I, I knew for myself that I didn't want to have to mess around with the database stuff. I didn't want to have to keep on top of all this, uh, all the PHP and uh, MySQL or MariaDB uh, security fixes and updates and things like that. It's just that was not something that I wanted to get into. And then I also thought, well, you know what, with Word, Word, WordPress too, my, my, my partner in, in real life, she... She does a lot with WordPress. She she does a lot of theming on Word, WordPress, and and you in order to theme it, you have to do these child themes, and or to, to theme it correctly, you do these child themes, and you can override CSS stuff and all these others. I thought, you know what? I don't want to learn that stuff. I, I've I've made a child theme for a WordPress site before. I'm familiar with the process. It's just not something that I'm interested in learning. I didn't want to learn like the 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 file structure, the file system layout of WordPress. That's just not it's not that I don't it's not that I hate it. It's not that I don't want to. It's not that I have a problem with the idea. It's just it didn't excite me. That was not something that I wanted to do. So I thought I would be more comfortable with a flat file CMS because a flat file CMS is I guess a little bit more almost in a weird way it's kind of the old school of of the internet. You go to a server, you look at a page, you are seeing that page. In other words, you are opening a file on a server, and that is how you are seeing that page. Now it's being rendered and made pretty by your web browser, 
by the intervention of HT or by the by the use of HTML and the intervention of CSS. But the file there's a one to one match there, and that that appeals to me a lot. And of course on on, on WordPress or or Joomla or Drupal or whatever, you you go to a, a quote web page. And, and you're just seeing a node in a database being inserted into a structure that is being assembled by a bunch of different pieces and displayed in your web browser. And that's less appealing to me. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go flat file. And I remembered that I had been using Grav, that I that I'd tried Grav about four years ago. Now, all of this, all of the, the whole thing about Grav came about because I had, I had used something even earlier. Uh, I think it was called flat press. And I think flat press technically is still around. I think you can still kind of find it, but I, I, I have a really hard time understanding what exactly is going on. Um, I mean, they've had a blog post as of uh, the 12th day of 2019, and it, it said that there's not a whole lot happening with it. Um, big things will be happening in February, apparently. That's according to their to their post and that's cool and it's great i just i still don't quite get the I, I i don't have a good feel for where they are exactly in their lifespan i don't know what they have in mind what, and so on so i i i, th I thought to myself well i want to build something that's going to have some degree of mass appeal grav is pretty grav is a flat file cms grav sounds like it's the one for me so I installed Grav onto a server and started messing around with it, and what do you know, it really is quite nice. It's also nothing like the, the it, it, all of my assumptions of what I was going to be benefiting from by using a flat file CMS uh, does not apply to Grav. So all of my critique of WordPress and Joomla and Drupal, almost all of those critiques apply to Grav equally. Okay, so let's talk about Grav. Grav, it's a super easy install. Like really, honestly, you you take you take Grav, you you download it from getgrav.org, you place it on your server in a publicly viewable place. You've just installed Grav. Like that's it. There's no five minute setup like in WordPress. There's no there's no certainly there's no fiddling around with a database. It's you, you just in, it's installed. You're done. That's it. And and that is because it's a flat file CMS, right? Everything's self-contained within Grav. So when you place this file, this folder on on your site, then Grav knows to refer sort of within itself for all of its data. And so it it, it it's all you know. There's a bunch of PHP files and some some weird-looking uh, Twig files is what they're called. They're sort of template files, and and there's Markdown files. And what Grav does, the, the markdown file is your blog post. And what Grav does is it looks for a specific item in a, a specific place, which is the users, uh, user slash pages directory of your, of your little Grav install. And you put a markdown file in there called, I think, item dot, or no, blog.md. And then you've, you've just created a blog. There are some, there are some YAML headers at the, top of the file that you need to put in but you, you if you put a blog.md there then you've just created a blog with auto generating uh, rss and atom feeds and and all you do is you you literally open up a, a markdown file and you type words into it and then grav looks for that file if there if that file exists then it uses it it parses the headers 
it parses the markdown, converts it to HTML, and it displays it. It caches it. And when people go to your site, you know, example.com slash grav blog or, or slash blog or whatever you called your, your the, the directory containing grav, uh, then it, it displays that page to the user. Pretty simple. Pretty, pretty simple. It's also really, really nice. Now, I'm going to get to all the caveats, but I'm going to say, first of all, that it's really, really nice that this is completely, this, this can be, this is, it's just a file on a file system, right? So any way you can imagine to get a file onto that file system is completely fair game. So you want to do this via SSH? Done. No problem. So if you want to be able to just type in a, a, a thought and then post it, you can do that. You make an alias, for instance, that opens up Emacs, and then when Emacs closes, uh, it does an automated SCP of the file that you just closed and copies it to your, your grav folder uh, as a blog post or as a page on your on your site. There's the, the, the structure of the files uh, can... There's a little bit of flexibility there, but the, the default setup, from what I can tell, is that in your user pages, if you have a numbered directory, so a 01.blog, 02.photos, uh, 03.randomthoughts, then those become tabs, if you will, on your web page. The, a file called blog.md inside of any of those folders creates a little self-contained blog site inside of that folder. Or if you just want to put random stuff in there. So when I say blog, it means that there's now you have a, a master page that lists all of the blog posts. And the blog posts themselves take form as, again, a directory with some name and then an a file inside of them called item.md. So you've got a blog.md in the outside folder, and then you've got another folder in there representing each post with an item.md inside. As long as you keep that structure, everything gets parsed correctly, and everyone and, and you you have a navigable site. Now, if you're not if you, if you're not doing a, a blog, maybe you just want to do the 01.blog, 02.photos, 03.randomthoughts. Those are tabs now on your on your site, and and you could just you can structure it so that they go, that that a user could maybe click into one of those tabs, and then has a choice of 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 pages to go to from from that from from there. Um, it it kind of depends, you know. You can you can use it as a documentation site. You can use it as a blog. You can use it as a just a, a site for for any. Any any kind of comment uh, content that you want, and there are plugins for Graph to help you reach quickly the kind of basic structure that you're looking for. For instance, for the site that I'm that I was building with Grav, I wanted there to be a blog, and when you go to that blog, I wanted you to see the articles listed in an attractive manner. I didn't exactly care how, but but I, I wanted I figured sort of like um, big buttons or whatever, like, um, what do you call them? Like when you see a little summary of the article and maybe a little header image, that kind of thing, you know? And you and you look at it and you read the title and you read the snippet and you, yeah, that sounds like an interesting article. So you click on it and then it takes you to the, the full page. So I wanted that. I wanted an, an array of sort of, of cards, as it were, little index cards with each article kind of featured on each card. Uh, and and the blog plugin does exactly that. So easy job done. And and there are similar, you know, there are there are different setups for different 
different models. So maybe you want a photo site. So you really want just a big web gallery. Well, there's a plugin for that. So there's there are lots of different ways to kind of manage Grav, and it really does depend on what plugin you install, and and how you structure the files on the file system. Okay, so the 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 positive thing is simply that it's all flat files. It is plain text. It is it is automatable. You can shoot files up to your server any you know in any manner that suits you if you're more of a visual type person and you want to open up a a, a graphical sftp client and copy your files manually you know you can do that if you if you want to set up some kind of git echo service you can do that um it just it's a file on a file system so it is super super easy to to design your own custom workflow and that's exciting that's exactly what i wanted grav also happens to be really really attractive like if you go to their site getgrav.org you will f you will you you see that they it, it looks really nice and they they have a couple of sample sites as well i think down at the bottom of the page where they say you know these these places are using grav and you can look at the the places that are using grav and you can kind of see how they how they're using it for different kind of different a different angle on grav you know depending on what what their what the site is about so it doesn't look you know flat press for instance while i really like it because it it it's it is super flat um it looks a bit dated you know if you look at it there would be a lot of theming that you would probably want to do sure there are themes that others have done but in terms of of getting something maybe that that looks really slick and really modern yeah, it might take might take a little bit longer for you to get get there from 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 flat press. Grav kind of have a, has a lot of that built in. It's it is it is very much a modern kind of it looks like a modern site. So if you care about that sort of thing, then maybe you would want to use Grav for instance. Now if you don't, then then who knows? Maybe you really just want to use flat press. I don't know. Um, like I said, I haven't looked into flat press enough lately to to feel comfortable about how 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 well maintained it is but but grav is well maintained it is being maintained and i've talked to the developers not at length but but i've had conversations with the developers and and it's a yeah it's a healthy little project it's open source you can find all of the source code on github and you can contribute maybe and uh it's it's worth checking out in other words if you're looking to build a, a site and i think the hidden gem here is it's automated rss and atom feed thing um if 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 i'd known about that who knows i might have built gnu world order i mean at the time i don't think it did exist the the automated feed thing but um if i'd known about that i i might have built gnu world order around around grav really because it just makes it so easy you know it's just so nice to have automated rss and atom feeds i mean that's a real feature like honestly that's a, a serious serious feature so that's really neat that grav exists that it makes blogging a flat file affair and that it makes the feed generation dead simple something you don't even have to think about now let's talk about the problems with grav because as I have used Grav very, very heavily in the past month, really, it's just been a month, but it has been in some cases eight-hour days working to 
to adjust something. And so let's let's talk a little bit about that. So the first thing to note is that when they say flat file graph um, CMS, uh, they they do technically mean flat file, but it's not quite as flat as flat used to be. In other words, when people log into your site or, or go to your site rather, and and look at a web a web page, a blog post, they're not actually seeing example.com/blog/mypost/index.html or .whatever PHP or whatever. Um, they're not seeing that file, right? Grav is parsing what you post to it, whether it's a blog.md or an item.md. It is parsing that. It is converting it to HTML through a series of filters and displaying the resulting cached page to them or even even maybe not cached but assembled is the is the key term here it's an assembled page it is something that it is throwing together more or less dynamically on the server to display to a person the difference is between the the difference between grav and for instance wordpress is that there's no database involved and that's what makes grav a flat file cms but in terms of wanting to be able to point to the exact file on the server and relate it to what you are seeing in your web browser window that's a bit harder that's not going to exactly happen does that happen on any flat file cms honestly i don't know um i never really had to think about it that hard back when i was using flatpress i never really thought about it back when i was using grav the, the, the first time around back in you know four years ago whatever but it's just something to keep in mind that that if you if you're thinking flat file CMS means there's going to be a file for every page, that's not necessarily true. It's it's close to being true. It's not necessarily completely true. One of the reasons I turned to Grav as well was, as I said, WordPress has a lot of stuff to learn about, like kind of the layout of the system and where is everything kept and child themes and all that stuff. Turns out Grav is the same way. If you really want to get into Grav and structure a site really anything other than the default like i mean what i'm saying is that if, if you want to use grav you can pull a bunch of plugins down off of the grav site install them pretty easily on into grav they make it really easy to install you can either download it manually and put it into the right place or you can even just run a i think it's a gpm uh, command from within the grav folder it's a php script i think that basically pull stuff down probably using i don't know pair or some php package management i don't know but whatever it's doing is it downloads the thing it places it in the right place and then it and then it's your plugin is installed so if you do that and you're happy with exactly what they are giving you then you don't ever have to learn about grav but if you want anything different i'm talking anything like you want any little tiny change to be made then you're going to have to learn within to, to a varying degree uh, about grav and how it's laid out and that might be something as simple as well you need to add this one little attribute to a config file for this plugin okay where's that well it's somewhere in the user folder because it's very good about keeping your your your, your the, the, any changes that you make within your user folder uh but but where in the user folder and which config file and why are there so many config files per plugin and why are some called plugin.config and the others are called like 
plugin.yaml and like which one do I edit? You have to learn that stuff. It's not that hard, but you do have to learn it and and you have to do some reading up on it. And sometimes you have to do reading up per plugin because it's not all covered in the main grav docs. I think the most egregious error, however, is some of the fragiler parts of Grav. Now, Grav is great because, as I've said, you don't have a database. There's really n there's there, there's not a whole lot of programmatic things happening within Grav. There are things. It's not, you know, like like if you're if you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a great website because it's going to make my my flat HTML files look really pretty. That's not what Grav is. It is it is a very dynamic website. So there are there are scripts running and things are happening on on the Grav website or in the Grav uh, framework. It's 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 a lot simpler though than something like WordPress or Drupal or presumably Joomla. I've never used Joomla. And and so it's it's a little bit you know you don't have to worry quite as much about security updates and things like that because there's just not quite as much going on. But that that having been said, there are times where Grav falls over and falls really, really hard. It has happened weekly to me. Saying it has happened weekly is charitable. It has happened multiple times a week, and in a very, very dramatic way. So here's this Grav website. It looks fantastic. It looks pretty. It looks modern. It's, gr it's easy to post to it because it's so flexible. It's great one wrong path one wrong path for an image file the whole website falls over now that sounds really bad right it is really bad now it's not as bad as i'm making it out to sound so if i have an image file in the in in the text of my of my blog post and it's the incorrect path then it fails gracefully like html normally does you you see no image Maybe you see the alt text there instead. Maybe you see a broken image, an image representing a broken image. I, I don't remember, but the, the, certainly the whole site doesn't fall over. But there is a there is an issue with these YAML headers that that provide the metadata for a blog post, where if there is, as far as I can tell, practically any error in the YAML at the head of a text file makes the entire makes your entire site. Fail. No, I must be wrong. I have to be wrong on that, right? It, it's just that one post. It's not the whole site. That that would be madness for uh, the the entire site to fail because of one wrong YAML setting in a subdirectory. No, that doesn't make sense. No, I'm telling you, dear listener, the entire site as of 1.5.6 fails if you have incorrect YAML data in any file of your blog pages. It doesn't matter how small the error is to you. If you forgot to close a quote around a subtitle or a title, if you issued a, an incorrect date that it just couldn't parse, if you have the raw, uh, an image an image name that, that it cannot find, then the entire site now does not work. Now this is obviously a, a serious problem, first of all. And it is one that I have filed a bug against. Sa sadly, so far they do seem to be—they um, seem to be fine with their choice here. They—they they actually don't appear to agree with me that the entire site should not fail 
because of incorrect YAML data in a text file. I can see the page failing. That that seems reasonable to me, but the entire site falling over because of that, that seems unreasonable to me. The the I've I've made a case for it in the bug report and and they just don't seem to agree. I've also made a case for the fact that when it fails, it shouldn't display all kinds of user centric information. <laughs> there on the page for everyone to see which is what it does so instead of loading your site it just tells you the exact path of your install so now anyone looking at your website has immediately gained your web account username or or you know what the the username of of your of of who you are on the server uh, it's it's learned a, a lot about your file structure on that server that seems really bad to me and i have tried to impress that upon the Grav developer who is answering the the bug report, and they just don't appear to agree with me. They say that YAML is important, that you have to have an error when YAML fails, or else it would just fail silently and you wouldn't know what was going on, and that that's the only way to deliver that error message, and that that error message is fine. Even as I'm saying it aloud, I, I am literally doubting myself. I, I, I feel like I must have something wrong, and I have this sudden desire to go and and test it and make sure that I, I'm not crazy. But this has been month a month of, of testing and ongoing, sort of like, how can we make this not happen? And I haven't been able to make it happen. Now, I've, I've made one thing not not fail. So there was there was another problem with the blog where if whereby if the yeah i think it was the what they call the hero image if the hero image is what was incorrect in the yaml like if if it couldn't find that file it would again just crash the entire site so i got it to the point i i went in and edited some template files and i have it now to the point where if the hero image is incorrect in the yaml of of your of your post then it simply doesn't render an image in the in the blog list in in the in the list of posts and i have i've and and that's not even really all me it that 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 fallback is in place in one of the plugins that or one one of the libraries that they themselves are using to generate thumbnails so that and that's sort of based around the theme so I've I've submitted that I've I've submitted a pull request as you do on GitHub. You don't just you don't send a patch and ask for a merge. You have to do this fancy log into GitHub and issue this fancy pull request thing, and you have to fork the the repo and all this this convoluted workflow that makes Git a lot more complex than it needs to be. So I did that, did the pull request. So far they have not as as of this recording, um, they have not merged that into their into their code yet hopefully they will because it's a it's a big fix it would stop the it would at least prevent a missing hero image from blowing up your entire site um but any other yaml error still blows up your entire site so that's it's huge 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 i mean it's horrible like just outrageously bad to the point that i almost questioned whether i should even talk about grav on the show because i felt like maybe i'm not maybe this isn't something that i'm recommending but in another bug report on another unrelated issue 
maybe it was semi-related. Uh, they they kind of they told me, well, there's this admin plugin which provides a GUI. Now you'll recall just earlier in this episode, I was saying I really like the flexibility of of this and that because I don't have to use the GUI. So the admin plugin provides a GUI. So if you go into your, you know, if you're a user of Grav, you can log into this admin interface and po- make blog posts the way you do, for instance, with WordPress. Now, I actually have no interest in this whatsoever. And apparently their answer, their their official answer, again, as of this recording, is that if you don't like how Grav blows up, if you make an error in the YAML at the head of your blog post, then don't edit your blog posts in plain text files and do it through the admin interface because that provides, I guess, fields and probably drop-down menus and things like that to make sure that when you're entering the YAML stuff that it is, it's valid data and you don't make stupid mistakes like, oh, I forgot, I, I opened a quote here on my subtitle or my title and forgot to close it or, or whatever it might, might be. So that's something to be aware of. Another problem that I've experienced is Grav has abused some some rather common conventions, not even conventions, really standards. So, for instance, Grav expects to be re- to to get markdown files from you. That's the 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 format of 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 Grav content is markdown. So you put a markdown file of a certain name in a certain place, and it parses it turns it into HTML, presents it to the users, to the to your visitors. Markdown has a definition insofar as Markdown has any definition, right? I mean, that's one of the classic problems of Markdown is that, that there's no spec for Markdown. And you might say, oh, but that one site with the, the where it started, that's not a spec. As many people have observed, that's a rough guideline for how Markdown might appear. And, and it doesn't it doesn't provide a whole lot. And it also is fuzzy on other things and so on. So so people have taken that idea and they've sort of run with it. So you've got different, quote-unquote, flavors of Markdown. So you've got GitHub Markdown, you've got Markdown, you've got something else Markdown. Someone is trying to establish a firm standard called Common Mark, and that's great, but it, it seems to be a little bit of a niche and not everyone's jumped on board with that yet. Either way, even in the original Markdown spec, it is defined that when you create a an ahref element in HTML or a link, a hot link in HTML or rather in Markdown for destination to mark to to HTML, you put in square brackets some term, and then in parentheses the URL to which you want to link, and the result is that the string in the square brackets becomes the text of the href uh, the ahref um, the a element that you in your html so for instance if i put square bracket foo close square bracket parentheses http colon slash slash example.com close parentheses then in html it becomes bracket a space href equals quote http example.com close quote close bracket foo and then close the a tag and that's something that's defined in markdown so people are expecting that when they type that then then the html is going to to is going to be generated in in that same way for whatever reason grav decided that they were going to use the contents in the square brackets could be a little bit little bit 
fuzzy on this because I haven't looked it up lately, but it's it's generally it's it's if you use you can use the contents of the square brackets to define a custom class for that link, I think it is. And then if you, when you do that, you can also add to your link question mark and then some string. So you're hearing me correctly here. You're adding content to your URL that will manipulate the manner in which Grav interprets or renders the, or parses, I guess, the link. So that's obviously not what you would expect, right? If you knew Markdown and you were told you can write Markdown in this text file and Grav will parse it and turn it into HTML, then you would expect that if you were to type, say, a link with a question mark in it, that that would be turned into an HTML link with a question mark in it. But it turns out that, no, Grav clobbers that and uses its own question mark syntax to do funky grav-only things, like adding classes or IDs to that element. Now that seems like a really, really bad idea, and it probably would have been a better idea to define their own markup, you know, their own, like, grav markdown, and rather than change existing markdown, to, to add some kind of syntax, like maybe another set of square brackets after any URL becomes additional classes and ID uh, elements that you could apply to that a href element that gets when it is rendered out to html something like that but yeah it, it it is it is true that if you have text in the square brackets of a link then any question mark in the link becomes become becomes parsed by by grav it it, it gets parsed not as a url but as as metadata that's a really that's a pain point, and again I've I've raised this issue as a bug. They have uh, declared that 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 is the way that Grav works. So some problems, some problems. There are some problems with the way sort of Grav works, at least in my humble opinion. And and it's it's an opinion that 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 is simply different than the Grav developers. So if they don't agree. Um, with the way that I see it, then obviously they're not going to change it. And and from what I can tell so far, they don't agree. Now I've still got a pull request withstanding uh, outstanding, so we'll see what happens there. The other ones are, you know, it's really just the way that I think things should or should not be done versus the way they clearly think things should or should not be done. The the link munging problem, uh, they've the the developer who was responding to the bug report has pointed out that if they were to to change it now then that would break existing grav installs so it's it's kind of one of those things that they 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 don't have a whole lot of a, a whole lot of an alternative at this point they just kind of have to live with it which i think i mean again i think telling people that hey this is the markdown that we use um it needs to be clearer that that when they say Hey, your blog posts are written in Markdown. They they should be clear that they're not talking about Markdown, the 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 actual what what people have learned. It's a new Markdown, and and I really wish someone would trademark Markdown or or Common Mark should just get off the ground so that people don't use that term so generically because you can say oh it's Markdown and people think it's Markdown but it's not really Markdown. It's it's Grav Markdown or GitHub Markdown or or what have you. 
Now, as you may or may not know about Markdown, you can ignore Markdown entirely and just write in HTML. And it turns out that you can do that for Grav as well. So it's it's a workaround. The problem with this workaround is that then if you if you close if you forget to close a tag, for instance, in the in your HTML or something, any mistake in HTML basically stops the parsing. It it stops Grav from parsing the HTML. It it does this silently, so it does not break your page or your site, but it also doesn't log an error that I can find. So you you believe everything is fine until you go to the the website and read the post and realize it stops halfway through because there was a there was a a, a para tag that never got closed or an a tag that didn't get a quote that didn't get you know something something's wrong in the html so it becomes a very kind of strict html thing that you now i guess in order to check that you would have to sort of verify so i've gone on for a long time about the problems and and in spite of all that i have to say that grav is a really slick little system there are other systems to use and to look at a lot of people have uh told me about uh hugo hugo is a a framework for building web pages and it 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 appears to be pretty pretty robust and pretty nice there's a lot of beautiful themes out there for it and there are a few others there are a couple couple of couple of frameworks like this that that get that get thrown around and 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 promoted and and I can't say you know which is the best one because like I say I've I've only spent this much time with grav and and in spite of my complaints that I've just talked about, th- those were the complaints. And I, I feel like a lot of times those those pain points are going to be encountered by you only if you have a certain workflow. And if you if you work differently than than I do, then you may never see those ever. That that might not be a problem for you. I wanted to address them because I didn't want it to be. I didn't want to be a. You know, I didn't want there to be just an unqualified recommendation of Grav. Um, but I am recommending Grav. I do. I think it's a really cool little system. It's a lot of fun to work with. And the digging into the internals that I have had to do has actually been really nice. It's It's got a good little system back there going, and, and it's pretty easy to customize things. I've, I've found it I feel like it's easier to customize Grav, for instance, than WordPress. Is it easier than Hugo or the others? I don't know. I, who knows? But but yeah, I, I've been pretty happy with with Grav all in all. And the the development team for Grav, while they don't always agree with everything that I say, um, has been very responsive traditionally. I mean, they haven't done my they haven't pulled in my my merge to make the site not fall over under certain conditions. But that's fine. Maybe they'll get around to it. Who knows? Um, but I mean, it, it, it's an active project. I mean, I'm sure others are active as well. But I mean, they've been responsive, and they've always been responsive. Even back when I was first using Grav, they were they were really responsive, and that's pretty cool. So I don't know. I am recommending Grav, and while I'm at it, I'm going to recommend another website. It's not a framework website. It is something built on Grav. So if you go to mixedsignals.ml, that is the word mixed, M-I-X-E-D. And then signals, S-I-G-N-A-L-S dot M-L, as in Mike Lima. Then you will find a gaming-related website. Now, this gaming-related website, mixedsignals.ml, is built on Grav, and it is populated, the contents of it, is populated by myself and Lost in Bronx, and 
one Seth Kinlan. So the content tends to be game-oriented. Game meaning generally RPG, although I do intend to probably put other stuff on there. Maybe some card games, some board game, that type of content. But it, there, there's an emphasis on, on role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons and so on. Now, if you're, if you're into Dungeons & Dragons, then this site may be of interest to you, actually. It's full of good ideas. That's kind of what it excels at, is just throwing a bunch of ideas online in a structured way. And, and we'll get more and more structured as we go along. Eventually, we will collect some number of blog posts and put them into a, a, an easily sort of organized and downloaded book for people to, to download and or purchase. But in the meantime, we're throwing ideas online. We're th I'm, I'm throwing some reviews online of some tech books that I've, I've read, and, and we're just putting everything up there because why not? People have been asking me, hey, where's all that content from this old site or that old site? Well, it's all going to end up here, mixedsignals.ml. That's, that's the hub for everything that I put online, kind of from this point on. Um, Slacker Media and GNU World Order will remain their own independent sites because those are handy places for them to be, and and they're not directly related to to mixed signals, I guess, but but the idea is that all that extra stuff that I used to sprinkle around in a gopher site here or a, a hidden website there, it's all going to be on mixed signals eventually. The organization of it is is kind of chaotic, and that's kind of on purpose. We kind of are we're we're throwing everything into the the central blog feed, and we're using tags to enable people to kind of filter out what they may be interested in at any given moment. And I think that that's going to kind of work out pretty well. So the, the tech tag, for instance, will bring up any kind of really technical content, like actual, There's I don't think there is any tech content on there right now, but, but like serious tech uh, content, like here's how to set up a, an Apache server or something like that. Or here's a tip for Python. That, that'll that be under the tech tag. And so if you go there and you're not interested in the gaming stuff and you just want the tech, then you'll be able to click on the tech tag and get just the blog posts with with the technology stuff. If, if you're there just because you're looking for a cool new cursed item because you're you're, you're playing in a game and your, your players have just uncovered a treasure chest and you have to come up with an idea for what they just found because it's not written in the book that you bought um, then you can go to the the tag that says curse and click on that and sure enough there are one two three four five six seven seven as of this recording seven cursed items uh, one any one of which you could just throw into a treasure chest along with some generic gold pieces and your players will be very happy and then they will be very sad, and that's kind of the point of a game, really, is to, to challenge, to, to overcome challenges. So that's kind of the idea of this site. Now, a lot of people have first asked me, hey, where's all that content from, you know, this place or that place? Okay, so the answer is here, mixedsignals.ml. Other people have asked me in the past, how can I support the show, the podcast, the GNU World Order? The answer is here, mixedsignals.ml. 
if you want to support what I'm doing online, New World Order, Slacker Media, whatever, just go to mixedsignals.ml and subscribe to our feed and interact with the site in some way. I'm trying to kind of build up this thing as a hub for people to go to and access content. And not of all of it will appeal to everyone, but I'm hoping that it'll appeal, a little bit of it will appeal to, to, to many people, uh, to, to both my friends in the tech world and in the gaming world and the places where those intersect and so on. So if you're trying to if you've asked me in the past, can I send you money to help with this, or can I send you something, or can I do this or that, no, you can't. I don't need any of those things, but what I would like for you to do is to go to mixedsignals.ml and subscribe to the RSS or the Atom feed, Atom being the superior format, uh, but not quite as widely, uh, as, as widely recognized. So either one of those is fine. You can do that. And of course, as always, well, as always, ever since a couple of weeks ago, you can also purchase a book called Developing Games on the Raspberry Pi from A-Press Publishing, I think. You can go to apress.com, Developing Games on the Raspberry Pi. It's a great book. I'm highly recommending it. It's about Lua. It is really, really fun to use. It is enlightening. It has tips that you will literally find nowhere else on the internet. I know this because there is nothing online right now about that little tiny open AL bug that you'll encounter on the Raspberry Pi 3 when trying to use it. Trust me. So those are the ways that you can support the show. Honest, that's all I need is, is you to subscribe to MixedSignals.ml and interact with the website as you see fit. And uh, if you want, go purchase the book about uh, the Raspberry Pi and Lua. And if you have no interest in supporting uh, the show, that's fine, too. I, I've never actually asked for support, so so it's fine if you're thinking, well, I don't really need to support you, Klaatu. I'm just here to hear some interesting technical talk for an hour, and that is actually all I really expect from anyone. So thanks for listening to the show. I appreciate it. Now go hunt down some good Greek or Turkish or Russian coffee, and I'll talk to you next time. Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Augcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.
wait a minute. We got something to settle first. Remember, I've been fooled before. I'm talking about the clever little deal you've made. <laughs>